It's, uh, it's a privilege to be back. I've got a couple of announcements for you. Um, Ashley was supposed to be leading the service today, but uh, she'll hit me for saying this, but how many of you know Ashley's pregnant? All right, it's good news. Ashley and Ashley. Yeah, so we pray for her, Lord. Get over this sickness in Jesus' name. Uh, healer. And also, I don't normally do this, and I never do it, because once you start this, you start a fad, but it's Stacey's birthday today as well. So I'm not going to sing happy birthday to her, but happy birthday. You know, we've got a, such a good staff team. Whenever they, they you know, when the, when, the, when the chips are down, they're the ones that pull through, and uh, I'm so thankful for our team. I don't tell them often enough, but I'm telling, them, telling all of you, I'm really appreciative of our, all our team. They work incredibly hard. Sarah's not here today, but uh, the, the team, they just do a lot of work behind the scenes. That Obviously, to make sure all of this works, it's, uh, it's really good, so... Good. A couple of announcements for you if you've got uh, some time. Um, who's excited? This next week's crazy. It's always a busy time. So I'll start off in order of where we're at. So on Wednesday night, we've got a baptismal class. Okay. So if you want to get baptized next Sunday morning, I think we've got about 12 or 13 people getting baptized. So uh, that's, that's quite a lot. Yeah, yeah. So, um, uh, so we'll see how you go. But if you've never been baptized, and that, when I mean by baptism, what I mean is we put you into water, we'll hold you down for a while, and then we'll bring you back up again. Okay. We've got to make sure you get rid of your sins, you know, so we bring it back up again. So that's next Sunday. It's Easter Sunday. Please come and join us. Bring your friends and family. Uh, we'd love to see you. But we've got a baptismal class here at 7 o'clock here at the building uh, on Wednesday night. So if you want to know more information, I know some of you are, are online. This morning can't be here today. You're getting baptized next week. So uh, at 7 o'clock this Wednesday, uh, if you want to ask your questions, we talk a little bit about what we believe here about baptism and why it's important that you get baptized. So if you haven't been baptized or if you've been sprinkled as a child, or someone's called you names, uh, you get, you're more than welcome to come here and, uh, and, uh, and sort that out. That's, a, that's what we believe here, so that's, uh, that's good. Uh, also then, on Friday night, we have our... Um, we've, I've been wanting to do a production in Journey for a long time, but not having your own building hasn't, hasn't meant for that. But Leslie and a team of people have been working for the last few months on, uh, on uh, Tenebrae, which is a very different look on a Good Friday service. So that's this week at 7 p.m. here. We'll start at 7.30, but um, you need to book a ticket for that, and the tickets are going quite quickly. So, uh, you know, we've got a capacity in this building that, that we want to do that. But it's an it's a, it's a all-inclusive... In, uh, uh, the best way I can describe it is this. It's, it's a pretty intense production about, about the death of Christ. And... It's incredibly powerful, and Leslie, who's put this together, I am so excited about it, but it's just one of those things where, where how many of you know creative stuff just needs to be back in the church? The church has lost its creativity, and I love that we've all these creative people now that are able to come along and do that, so I really encourage you. If you haven't got your ticket, please go on the church suite and book that. Um, if you message the Facebook page or email the church, uh, we'll be able to get you a couple of tickets booked down for that this, next, this coming Friday night. And then, first of all, thank you to everybody who came to pack eggs. Who packed eggs this week? Maybe we should ask, who didn't pack eggs this week? Yeah, I see you. I see you all. Well, we packed, we packed 20,000 eggs in record time this time. We did it in a day and a quarter, which is unheard of. Yeah, that's, that's pretty good. Um, Rich and I were laughing. We used to come to our house to pack the eggs, and we'd find many eggs underneath our seats when we cleaned them three months later. So uh, I was glad it's not in our house anymore, but um, uh, that's really good. So next Saturday, we've got our Easter explosion. Um, one of the things as a church, we made a decision early on that we would bless our community. And by blessing our community, uh, what I mean is we just go and give them fun, free events, especially for the kids. So next Saturday, after a couple of years of not being able to do this, uh, we're going down to the Antrim Forum Stadium. We go down in there and we basically lay 20,000 eggs filled with sweets out on two different sections. We've got an under five section and an over five section because the parents in the over five section are as crazy as, uh, uh, you know, as the kids in the under five section. 
So uh, you've never seen 20,000 eggs go six and a half seconds, gone, piff, they're just gone. So we give them a little bag, we come along, we've got bouncy castles, we've got some games, a few other things going on. Uh, so that's next uh, Saturday uh, down at the Antrim Stadium, and that's from 11 o'clock to 2 o'clock with the uh, explosion going off at 12 30. So please, if you're on Facebook or social media, give that a wee share. Just uh, the, more, the more people we have, uh, the better at that. So uh, that's that. And then obviously next Sunday is Easter Sunday. You're more than welcome to come to that. Our uh, ladies' ministry on the 12th of April as well. And we also have our intercessors uh, prayer meeting on the 14th of April. And uh, we'd love to see you um, at all of those things. And then finally, just our tithes and offering. Um, uh, uh, we, uh, you know, God's been so good in regards to blessing us financially. It's just been quite incredible. Um, we weren't expecting, we had a gift aid return this week, and as a church, we don't spend our gift aid. We, we pay for lots of things, uh, bills that we accumulate over the course of the year. Uh, but our gift aid just popped over 40,000 pounds. So in the space of six weeks, we've now been given 50 pounds and 40,000. That's 90,000 pounds our church has been given. Yeah. Now, the reason we get that is because we give. You need to understand that. The Lord has got this weird thing about sowing and reaping. I don't always understand it, but I was telling somebody this week, Rachel and I can't afford not to give. It's like when we give, we get back, but we don't give to get back. Does that make sense? Uh, we, we, give, we give because we give. So when you give something to the Lord, but God just this sets this supernatural thing in play that as a church, the more we give, and we give serious amount of money away over Christmas. And uh, at one point, it was like, uh-oh, I give too much money away. And within a month or two, the favor of the Lord comes back. I mean, neither of those two amounts were thought what we were going to get. And uh, I'm going to tell you another miracle in a moment um, uh, that, that's happening financially. And uh, I just want to encourage you that if you have never given into the kingdom of God through your tithes and offerings, and I'm not saying, please hear me, it, I don't, it doesn't matter whether you sow into this church or not, but if you've not done that and learned that, that process in your life, the amount of blessing that you are not receiving because of that is, is unbelievable. And it's a mind shift. It's a belief system. You actually have to move yourself to it. And it's quite incredible. What God, and really, I'm not into prosperity gospel. I want to say that straight up the front. Though I do believe in a God who prospers. And he wants to prosper us. He, it's like our own children. We want them to win. And actually, there's something in this principle of sowing and reaping that God wants to do. Uh, so uh, there's a couple of ways to give here. Um, there's a scan there on the door. You take a little photograph that will open up a link to you. Or if you're on Church Street, you can set that up. You can set it up for monthly uh, giving as well. That's what we do. And uh, uh, we could do that. We want to continue to bless. It's why we spend money on Easter eggs and a whole bunch of stuff just to have a bunch of fun kids. Um, and our Acts 2 talks about good deeds. They give to all who were in need. It says that they found favor in their community and thousands give their lives to the Lord. Good deeds leads to goodwill, which leads to good news. And that's the principle that we set. So we faithfully, every three months, uh, do an event that blesses our town. We don't apostolize, we don't evangelize, we don't, we don't put Bible tracts in it. We just, we just do relational Christianity. And they come along and go, I don't know about that crazy church, that cult up there. But, you know, I need a t-shirt. Honestly, I, I'm a cult leader and don't get the benefits of a cult. And uh, it's, uh, yeah, for all you watching online that, that critique all of this, go for it, knock yourself out. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, many of you know the heresy hunters, they've come after us again. So you know you've made it when you're on the heresy hunters list. It's, it's like my life's dream to become on the heresy hunters list. So I appreciate that. It's all good. It's, uh, it's good. Anyway, enough about that. Uh, we're continuing our series today on, uh, it's called um, uh, um, Resurrection uh, Paradox. And the whole idea of the resurrection being a paradox is kind of interesting because 
it's that thing where you can't have life without death. It's a weird thing. It's like, how many of you know the kingdom's upside down? Like, the whole kingdom is totally reversed. It's like, it's like the first shall be last, and the last shall be first. It's this kind of upside-down thing. And God is always creating upside-down kingdom. If you give this, you receive. It's kind of like, it's, it's, there's, there's a giving and receiving thing that goes on in the kingdom, and it's a paradox. You cannot have a resurrection unless somebody dies or something dies. And it's kind of an upside-down thinking, and it's one of those things where, where, where there's another element to this is that you can't have a resurrection if you don't roll the stone away. Have you ever thought about that? That the resurrections in the Scripture required a tombstone having to be removed, but that took human effort to remove the tombstone. You know, Lazarus, Jesus called Lazarus out, but he, he wouldn't have been able to get out if somebody hadn't rolled the stone away. And supernaturally, the stone was rolled away. Why are these stones in the way? Well, we'll come to that today. But this series is called Resurrection Paradox. And it's, it's this idea that everything's about Jesus. You see, when he went into that grave and rose again, something changed forever. And he put right what happened in the garden. When love broke in the garden, it was him that put love right on the cross so that we could have a relationship with him. But there's far too many stones in our own lives that stop us getting the true resurrection that he wants to give us. Uh, um, um, I also know that in the Gospels, they're 99% about Jesus. And uh, one of the things that, that in, uh, in the Gospel of John, uh, you find these sentences that are actually quite stunning when you study them in the Greek. Uh, the word I am is the word in the Greek, ego, ego, my. And, and these I am sayings that you find in, in, in uh, John's Gospel are really interesting. There's seven of them. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but me. I am the bread of life. If you eat of me, you will never hunger again. It's this idea that, that there's, there's this giving and receiving process taking place. I am the gate. I am the door by which you enter. He said, I am the good shepherd. I am the light of the world. I am the vine. And then he goes on to say this in John eleven twenty five, 25, I am the resurrection and the life. But you need to understand that every time he used that I am saying, he really peeved off the Pharisees. And there's a reason for that. Because when he was using the term I am, he wasn't saying I am. He was actually referencing the Hebrew God that spoke to Moses when, when the, with the burning bush and God spoke to him and said, I am the I am. And in this sentence, that's what Jesus was saying, I am the same God of, of Isaac, Jacob, and your ancestors. And that's why they got upset. So when Jesus was speaking, I am, ego, ego, my, it's this thing where, where he was speaking something much more powerful. I am the God who brings resurrection and life. I'm the God who, who kills things, makes things die, and I'm the same God that brings them back to life. Now, if I was God, it's not how I would do it. But I've stopped contending with God a long time ago. Why fight with God? Hey, this is the way he chose to do it. And we get, in, we get ourselves in a whole sort of theological twist trying to wrestle with God. Who are you really wrestling with? Yourselves. And in this sentence, he says, I am the resurrection and life. Have you ever thought about what a, rection, a, 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 a resurrection is? <laughs> that was last month's series. <laughs> you haven't listened to that? Do you know, 14 years in preaching, I've never made a mistake like that before. <laughs> I had a pastor one time, Alistair Pulling, remember this one? He was, he was praying at the end, and he, he, he was uh, praying for the church as a great um, organism, but that's not what he said. <laughs> yeah, you see. See, we moved on from that series, and here we are, back again. 
But I want to be clear what a, a resurrection is. It's when something dies and it comes back to life. That's it. There's nothing else for it. I was speaking to a young person this week, and, and I had a conversation about this, and they said, what actually is it? And I said, I don't know, but it's kind of like something dies, it starts to decay, and the Lord comes and brings it back to life again. It's kind of a weird thing. And I actually saw a resurrection a few years ago. Now, I, I've prayed for, for, for dead people to come back to life on, on numerous occasions. And to this point in time, I haven't, haven't seen that. But I don't know why the Pharisees, and, and they get really cranky about that. That this idea of praying for the dead today is kind of weird. You don't do that sort of stuff. And I go, well, if the power of Jesus lives in me and the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in me, then I have the same spirit that can raise someone from the dead today. And we know many stories of people who've been raised from the dead. I hear stories all the time. In fact, Alistair's here. He, he and I would go regularly to pray uh, for people to be resurrected. And to this day, I'm not going to stop praying for people to come back to life because I believe in a God who brings people back to life. But I have a resurrection story. I was only a young Christian, not very long. And I was, I was driving along and a, a path, I was walking along a path down at the Mill Race Trail. And I came along and there was this blackbird, big, it was actually quite a big blackbird. And it was lying on the side of the pavement. And it was kind of, it looked like it had just died. And it was dead. And it, it kind of like was one of those things where I'm like, I was a new Christian and I was feeling very brave. It was like when Eddie and I went to the, 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 the Sea of Galilee and we went down, we we're going to have a go at walking in the water. And then we had a conversation with each other. Did we take our shoes off before we walk in the water? <laughs> we were beat before we start. <laughs> and, uh, and it was a bit like this, but I had all this power and I, and I decided like, because I, I read in the Bible that if you lay hands on the sick, and the dead, they come back to life. And I thought, nobody's looking, I'll have a go at getting this blackbird back to life. But many of you know that your mummy told you never to touch dead things. So I, I, didn't, I didn't want to touch it or lay hands on it, so I went and got a prayer stick. All right? And I, I got this prayer stick, and I, and, I, and I put it in, and I poked it, and it was dead. And I went, and in the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come back to life, and I kid you not, the thing jumped up on his feet, went tweet, tweet, and flew away. And you don't believe me, but I'm telling you, if that bird was here today, he would confirm it. <laughs> and I kept the stick. I kept the stick for years. <laughs> I have a prayer stick. And the prayer stick is like, is like I don't know where it's the stick of Jesus, but I tell you, that's my only resurrection story. And I know you're cynical. I get it. But honestly, uh, it's good. Um, but actually, it's a story of a greater picture. It's this picture that, that Jesus is still in the business of bringing dead things back to life. And many of you know that. But many of you know that that's what he does. And we read this story in John uh, chapter 11. There's a guy, guy called Lazarus who was deader than anybody who was dead ever in the scriptures. He was dead. And the story goes along. And we got, I want to look at three different things this morning that, um, that, that we might have to die on the inside before we can get a, resurre a resurrection. Um, and Rachel, uh, um, uh, whenever uh, Jesus comes along and he, he, he speaks life to anything, and he chooses to speak life, things supernaturally take place. And, and I've been kind of interested in, lately I've been doing a little bit of study on, and I've been kind of thinking about this, about declaration, about how sometimes we declare these things in the hope that God does it. And, and actually, I'm, I'm coming to the conclusion that declaration is wishful thinking. All right? And it's not that we shouldn't have faith and, and pray, but there's something in declaration that I'm not entirely sure just kind of breaks what it needs to, but actually it's about faith. And it's this undivided understanding that the Lord can do this and wants to do it and chooses to do it, not in my time and His. 
And it's not, it's not an anti-faith statement to say that sometimes we pray, we pray regularly enough. You know, I say, I remember my old pastor saying to me, he says, we, we, we pray for healing, but we prepare families for death. And I thought, that's a, that's a real weird place to live. And actually, here you have it in Scripture, death and life. And we have both. And how many of you know, other than Jesus coming back, we're all going to die. And how many of you know that the Bible says that before the creation of time, that that was your time. That's, that's the time, and God knew it. And we fight this kind of weird thing, and then we blame Satan and all sorts of things. And, and actually, the reality is that God set things in a season, and it's like a scroll. And yet, into this scroll, part of God's plan is that some people come back to life. And Lazarus died, rose again, and then probably went on to die again. Why? It's, it's one of those things where when you start asking why, you get stuck. But let me pick up uh, this uh, passage, uh, John 11, if you've got your Bibles, it should appear uh, on the screen, but it says, it says that uh, Lazarus was sick, but actually we're going to find out that he wasn't just sick, he was actually terminal, he was going to die. And he was from Bethany, a village, it was the same village where Mary and his sister Martha uh, were. And in verse 3 it says, so the sisters sent word to Jesus, they sent a message to Jesus, um, and uh, they said that the one that you love is sick. So this is his friend, and it's this bad news story in the middle of a good life. And unfortunately, if I pause for a moment, how many of you know that we often can get bad news in the middle of a good life? We celebrate these great things in life, and we're going along, and all of a sudden, out of the blue, something comes along and sideswipes us, and we get this bad news. In fact, some of you, maybe even lately, have heard some bad news, and you go into this environment that the one you love is sick. Maybe someone close to you has got cancer. Maybe someone heard that they lost their job or, or their dream marriage has turned into a nightmare or a close friendship has ended in betrayal. Or maybe the principal calls to talk to you about your teenager and you're like, hey, you know, and you just, it's bad news and we get it all the time. And I remember a, a close pastor friend of mine calling me a several years ago. Uh, one of his associate pastors was in a car crash. Uh, it was actually, he was in a motorbike, but it was, he crashed into a car. And he's a young family and kids, I'd met them, they were friends of, of mine. And I remember him telling me, John, would you pray? Uh, my associate pastor was in a motorbike accident. He's currently in a coma. He was out for 47 minutes, and the doctors say there's no chance. And several of us are going to go there and pray. Uh, and he went to the doctor, and he says, hey, can this man live? And the, the doctor says, he's got no chance. He's, he's living on a, on, a, on a life support machine, and he, he ain't going to make it. And if he does, he's going to be, he's going to be brain dead. And, and, and the pastor said, he said, he says, do you not believe in miracles? He says, well, if it's a miracle, he'll be brain dead, and I, I don't see it happening. And they began to pray, and he asked the doctor, I mean, what do you say? He said, John, what do I say to a, fa to a wife and three kids that are friends of mine in this environment? And you're stuck between preparing them for death, and because that's what the doctor said, and many of you know we listen to our doctors all the time, right? Yeah. And, and yet, with the faith of God to go in and pray, uh, what do you say to a mother with three kids when, when the doctor says, no, there's no chance? And, and we go into this spiral going, we have this hope that God can do something, but we also have this life reality that is different to this one. And we sit in this tension in the middle ground regularly, yet Jesus never lived in the middle ground, but we do. He never knew the middle ground. He only knew the sweet perfection of the image of God. And we see Jesus coming into this amazing story in verse 4. And Jesus said, when he heard this news, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. 
The moment he said that was the actual resurrection. Because many of you know when Jesus says it, it's a done deal. Whether it's happened in reality or not yet remains to be seen. But he said it, that was the moment of resurrection. No, it's for God's glory so that the Son of God might be glorified through it. The very thing that, that, that would never happen now was going to happen. They had received this incredibly sad news in the middle of all of this. Now, I'll come back to that first in a moment, but let me give you a quick summary of four, 5 through to 14, and we read this. So basically, everybody believes Jesus is going to come and help, but what does Jesus do? Absolutely nothing. He's chilling out, and all the disciples are going, are you not going to go and see your friends and family and, you know, your brother that's about to die? And he does nothing. For two days, he doesn't do a thing. He's hanging out. And what's happening is everybody else around him is freaking out. We're doing what humans normally do. We have a catastrophe and we begin to freak out and we start to ask all these questions because there were, Jesus was just hanging out and he had the answer. The disciples are going, are you not going to go back? And, 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 and you see this moment when he goes, hey, let's go back to Judea. And then, and then, <laughs> No, if we go there, someone says, no, if we go there, the disciples, they're going to kill us. Now, I don't know whether that's sarcastically or metaphorically, but because it could have been his friends were likely to kill him because if Jesus was the answer and he didn't come back, they were likely to kill him and that was his friends and family. You know, they say, I'm going to kill you, you know, that kind of way. Or whether there are other people over there were literally going to kill him. But, but we don't know the story of that. But he said, no, Lazarus has fallen asleep and we need to go wake him up. Now, what he was saying about Lazarus, he wasn't taking a nap. It was a metaphor. He's dead, and we need to go and raise him from the dead. And then you have this character comes along. We, old Thomas, all right? Thomas comes along, and, 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 and he, you see this interject go on, but I, I want to talk to you about three characters in a moment as we go ahead. We've got Thomas, the disciple. We've got Mary, one of the sisters, and we've got Martha, uh, one of the other sisters. And you see three different stories of these people who were dying on the inside. And perhaps it's a point of life that some of you can relate to this, that there's something inside of your own life that might relate to some of these stories today. If you take a note, let's start with Thomas. And Thomas comes along, and I love Thomas. He, he's, he's so cool, honestly. He's like every millennial I know, just full of doubts. And uh, he's, he's dead in his doubts. And, and Thomas is full of doubt, but he's dead in them. And, and he was called Doubting Thomas for a reason. And uh, we go through and we read in verse 16, then Thomas, also known as Didymus, I love that name, Didymus. Hang on, if I had another child, I would call him Didymus. The Rachel might not like it. But it's just sad, Didymus. All right, it's just such a good name. It's like a, it's like a bad name for a rapper. You know, it's like, like a really bad name for a, for a rapper. But Didymus, he comes along and he's a disciple and watch out, he says this. And he, he's, he's now a sarcastic Doubting Thomas. He's not just doubting, he's got a bit of sarcasm. Sure, let us all just go there, we're all going to die. And he says this in this verse where it's like this idea that if we all go along with you, we're going to die. What he was really saying was, I don't want to go with you, I'm going to die. And he was having this doubt. Many of you know what it's like when somebody else is full of faith and you're just going, nah, nah, no, I'm not doing that. And, you know, that's my elders all the time with me. You know, I'm like way up here doing things and they're all like, no, let's steady on there, John. I'm like, where's your faith? This isn't faith, this is stupidity, all right? And, uh, and that's it. And, and you have this doubting Thomas and uh, he, he, what he's saying is it's never going to turn out good for us all. And, and it's on this Palm Sunday. I wonder how many of you would be honest with yourself. How many of you have these spiritual doubts? And you're stuck between heaven and earth. 
You're stuck between the king who can raise uh, uh, people from the dead into a life that you know you're going to die. And we stay stuck and we get in this really weird world. And when we don't know what to do, what do we do? We have a meltdown and we get overdramatic. Many of you know overdramatic people. Hands up if you are them. Hands up if you're married to them. And, 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 and what, what happens is, it, and for those of you who didn't put up your hands, you go polish your halo. I'm not talking to you this morning, okay? I'm, I'm talking to you that live in the real world, okay? But when you have this place, you know, because we stay between heaven and earth. And death and life is between heaven and earth. It's actually back to the garden. It's what happened in the garden. You get life and death. The tree of knowledge of good and evil, right and wrong, pain and pleasure. We sit in this place, and, and some of you at some point have prayed a prayer, and you said, God, I know you can do it, and then you're just bombarded with doubts. Because the reality in the reality doesn't match with what your heart and belief and what you know about Jesus. And we stay stuck in our doubts, and we get bombarded. Um, why didn't he do this? Why didn't God come along and do that in that moment? Or perhaps the story you grew up where you just have simple faith. And I remember speaking to an RE teacher who was teaching kids how to be RE. I came in to do an RE class one time. And, um, and I was saying, I want to tell a story about the miracles. Is that okay? He says, if you want. It's not like that stuff really happened. I'm like, you're an RE teacher. And, and you just have this thing where, where, where it only takes a moment to show that. Did that, re- did that really happen? Can God really do that? Do you really believe God can raise someone from the dead? And we stay in this place between our doubts and the reality of what we know in God, and we stay in our head and our heart, and perhaps maybe you believe for something, something that was really bad, that God had kind of, you felt like God was going to break through, and and you prayed, and and it didn't happen. And rather than pressing on in and going, God, I still believe you're a good God, and you're the God of miracles, you go the other way. And you get more cynical and you get more doubting and you become, you begin to doubt everything. And you know what I discovered? When you doubt all of the stories in Scripture about God, you begin to doubt everything about God. And we end up going backwards instead of going forward. And there's a little bit of this dead in doubts inside of us all. And we stay in these double places. Or maybe you're out there this morning and you're more like Mary. And, uh, you know, Thomas was dead in his doubts. But if you take a notes, Mary was dead in her discouragement. She was completely discouraged. And, you know, she was like that, that negative Nancy where, where anything good is going to happen. I, I cannot seem to get the breakthrough. And Mary was very, very discouraged. And we read in verse 20, it says, when Martha heard that Jesus was coming home, she went out and met with Jesus. But what did Mary do? Mary was like, he let us down. He didn't show up. Why would it bother going out to see him? I'm staying at home. I don't even need to go there. I mean, he's already dead. What's it going to happen? There's nothing can be done anyway. And let's be honest, some of you right now, you're like, ah, sure, what can be done about it? I I can't change anything. I'm going to feel alone my whole life. I'm going to feel down and depressed my whole life. What can be done? I'm stuck in my dead-end job. I'm never going to have the marriage that I thought I was going to have. I'm kind of stuck. You're discouraged some of you, you're, you're, it's where you're at right now. And I'm going to show you that it doesn't have to stay that way. That if, that if you're stuck in your own discouragement, because who discourages you the most? You know, I've discovered most of the discouragement that I've had in my life is actually me. We discourage ourselves. We, we doubt ourselves and discouragement begins to go round and round. And, and you come to church with your happy smiles on it. 
They'll get their big smiles on and everything's great. And you say, how are you doing? Everything's great. Happens all the time. And then you talk to one of our trained people and they go, yeah, yeah, right. Because you communicate in the secondary, not the primary. You, you ever know what that is? Like everything about you says something about you. You communicate in the secondary. And, and when you're trained like we are, some of the team around here, it's like, yeah, yeah, right, you're good. And then we call you out on it. And then you get offended that we call you out on it. <laughs> this church, I don't know, one of the reasons why we don't grow is because we're real around here. Why? Because because we want you to have the resurrection life that, that, that we know that God gave us, and we want you to have it. But when you're stuck in your discouragement like Mary, you, you stay stuck inside. And you know what discouragement does? It takes you away from Christ. It moves you to a place of unbelief. It moves you to a place of pity, and you begin to get stuck. Some of you are dead in your doubts. Some of you are dead in your discouragement. Or maybe you're like Martha. Maybe you're dead in your delay. You're dead in your delay. God has taken far too long Jesus should have come back a bit earlier. He could have done this all those years ago and he didn't, or all those days ago, he didn't come back. Why would it take so long? And you see in verse 17 on his arrival, Jesus found Lazarus had already been in the tomb for how many days? Four days. Now, why does that matter? Well, you need to understand something. They were a little bit like the Irish, okay? There's a weird thing happens in Ireland that doesn't happen in England, okay? Many of you know that. It can take four and a half, five weeks to bury somebody in England. But if they're not in the ground in three days here, we freak out. <laughs> like our superstition kicks in. Many of you know what I'm talking about. It's like, you know, in, in my culture, you, you stick them in the corner, you put a bottle of whiskey at the bottom of their feet, you prop them up in the coffin, and you go and have a conversation with them. And you take a wee whiskey to send them off. But if they're not gone in three days, our our, 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 we, we, we get this kind of weird supernatural superstition thing kicks in. And, and they had this back in the day. You see, here's what happens is that, that there was a commonly held belief that if the body wasn't in the tomb by three days, it's like after the third day, it's like they were dead. There was no chance. But they kind of had this thing they hang around for three days that the spirit, the spirit might come back into the human body and they might come back up. It's kind of weird where our folklore comes from. You get all of this stuff. And you go back to Ireland 50 years ago. This was the superstitions of the day. They become these traditions. And this was what was going on, a commonly held belief. Now, it's not a Christian belief, but it was commonly held that, that you kind of kept the dead body around for three days in case the doctor got it wrong. In case, in case we were just having a wee sleep. And, uh, you know, I, I watched a YouTube video this last week where some of these pals, this guy that always got drunk and he always ended up getting too drunk and forgetting about where he was. And all his pals took him to a hospital and made up like it was a hospital bed. And they put him in the hospital bed and life support machine and pretended to be a doctor. And they told him that he's been in a coma for two years. <laughs> and he just woke up from a hangover from the night before. And I don't think he ever drunk ever again. But, but, uh, but there was this folklore that, that, that when the spirit would come back into the cell. But now it was four days. And it was over. And the spirit had left. And Lazarus wasn't mostly dead. He was way dead. He was deader than a dead thing. So when you're dead and later in the story, we see this story, Martha, Martha describes something about being dead in this set. And the King James version is just brilliant. I love the King James translators. They, they got so many things wrong, but they got some things right. And this is the word that, he, that the King James used. It said that for four days, he stinketh. <laughs> now I might say he's minging, all right? But let's just put it like this. It was, it was this holy stink was coming out of this, uh, this place. And uh, he wasn't dead. He was so dead that he was beginning to smell. 
And in a foreign country where 40 degrees heat, uh, whatever time of year, it probably was a lot worse. And we, we read this, Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother, he wouldn't have died. And Martha's now going, you took too long, Jesus. Why didn't you come two days ago? Why didn't you show up when we needed you most? And maybe you're feeling dead in your own delay. Maybe you've been praying for prayer. Maybe you're a Christian here and you've been praying for a husband or a wife. God, why haven't you? It's all I've ever wanted, my own family. Why haven't you come through? And you're dead in your delay. And, and you've been praying for, for, Lord, I've served you and I want to, I want to be married and, I want, and, and it hasn't happened. And you're watching your friends around you get pregnant and do all of this stuff and God's like, hey, you're, you, there's a delay and you're dead in it. And again, it's easy for you to start to swing back to the other place where you get so stuck. You're fed up being the bridesmaid all the time. You want to be the, you want to be the bride. And you're honoring God and you're being faithful and you're, it's dead in your delay. Some of you married couples, you've been, you've been praying for a baby and you can't, yet, you can't conceive yet. And you're, you're going, God, why? Why haven't you come? Why haven't you broken through? We've prayed for this and you haven't come through yet. And you say, you start asking why. Can I give you the best piece of advice I give to anybody? Stop asking God why. You're contending with something that you'll never get an answer to. Why questions are something I took out of my vocabulary about five years ago. Because when you ask why, there sometimes isn't an answer. And we stick between heaven and earth, death and resurrection, freedom and entrapment. And we stay in this place, in this limbo, where we have to serve God in all the goodness. And you start asking God why. And you feel dead in your delay. And today, if that's any of you, can I say this? God's delays are not God's denials. God's delays are not God's denials. In fact, I've seen this so many times. There are things we have faithfully prayed for. This building alone aren't God's denials. Can I tell you, we have a group of faith-filled believers in Downpatrick. And uh, uh, over the last while, it's a small group of people, but can I tell you, they're the most passionate prayer. They just have this built-in prophetic thing inside of them. And they begin to pray. They're small in number. They don't have a lot of money. And COVID almost dang near finished in Patrick Community Church, uh, Journey Down Patrick. And, um, but yet, this faithful group of people kept serving the Lord, kept going after it. And they kept pressing in. And any time we wouldn't let go, because we've got, we've got these, we're not a multi-site church, but we have got two churches under, under our body. And they began to pray. And, and we've been in the least agreement on a building that was the old bingo hall. Some of you have been down to it. And uh, over the course of the last few while, uh, we've really been praying about this. And out of the blue last Friday, a building that came up for sale that I hadn't noticed, we're looking at something else, and a building popped up. And I want to tell you that in an interesting week that happened between Friday and last Sunday, in three days, uh, guys, put that, that, those videos out if you can. Um, we, we've agreed to buy this building for Journey Community Church in Downpatrick. All right, can I tell you? Yeah. This building is better than this building. <laughs> and every time Dan Patrick get a building, they have to go and one-up us again. And I'm like, there's going to be a few Antrim people up here going to be upset at this. But can I tell you, this building was built by the cricket club uh, 20 years ago. And uh, it was used by the cricket club. And they were to get a grant, and it didn't go through. And they sold it to pay the bills off it. Uh, when they built it, it cost £780,000 to build. 
Today, if you were to build that same building, we reckon it would cost about a million. And uh, they sold it to the developer. The developer tried to run it as a function uh, room, and then COVID came along. And it's been on the market for about a year now, and um, they haven't had, they've had a lot of false dawns. Uh, we met them last Friday, and I can't tell you, when I go into this room, the Spirit of God was so on this, it was hard to explain. In fact, I agreed about it before I had a conversation with the elders. <laughs> Which, they were kind of on board with it, I think, but uh, it was one of those ones where it was just, and we all looked at each other like it was a no-brainer. Um, so the developer was quite hard, but he said, oh, look, we need 10% deposit. We agreed at 333,000, just seems to be a good number because that's what this building costs too. And uh, so here we have this building, it's 3,000 uh, square feet bigger than this, but we agreed this price and we need it 10%. And I shared this last Sunday with our Dunpatrick Church. And before I left that building that day, between 12.30 and 10 past one, we had 33,500 pound given to buy this building. There were 65 people in the room. And, and you're like, don't tell me when you pray and you're faithful and you're living in a grotty bingo hall for in the middle of town, which is upstairs and doesn't really work, that God in his prayer doesn't come through. I, sh- yeah, I, 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 I shared this with, uh, with, I shared that with them last week. And honestly, I never seen anybody get more excited that a group of 60 people, and it was a quieter Sunday for them, were so excited. Isn't that right, Josh and Mara? They were there, and they came out, they were bursting. And it's just this like, why? Well, here's the thing. Everything that we've wanted to do to have a community building, we can do in this building. You know what this building comes with? Uh, facilities to host a wedding up to 600 people, including all the tables, chairs, cutly, crockly, glasses, everything. It did have a license, but we decided as a church we shouldn't buy that, okay? <laughs> all right? Uh, it also has an area where we're going to convert into a coffee shop. Now we've got a third day type coffee shop going in down there, and they're like excited about all of that. We actually have a building that's a community building, which was the dreams. Why? When, when Thomas Levy, who's one of the elders, who's the pastor down there, when Thomas and I talked about this, never in all of the years did we think that in a few years' time we'd be standing in this building, standing in that building, bringing the kingdom of glory, and have it paid for. You've got to understand when this dream of this church started all those years ago, never in all the tea in China did I think this is what we would have. And yet God in His glory, He comes. You see, it's not just about faith, it's about an adventure. And you have to be adventurous when it comes because there's not many people doing the call forth thing. Lazarus, come forth. Who's going to birds tomorrow morning? We'll find whoever's dead down there and we'll go into the, we'll go into the mortuary and we'll start calling them out. I woke up to Antrim Hospital. Who's coming with me? <laughs> Lisa's coming. <laughs> of course she is. <laughs> me and you, girl, we'll go. <laughs> and Alistair, he'll come as well because we've been doing that. And, and you, have, you have this thing. And yet, when you pray and when you ask, it's not a delay. We, we, we couldn't, this is better than our wildest dreams. Honestly. 330, you can buy a decent house for that these days, hardly. And God is in the business of giving churches like ours who are faithful in giving million pound buildings for a third of the price. And you know what, do you know what I love about this? There is a potential that the resources of renting this building out actually begin to feed back in to Antrim. 
Because all of a sudden, the resources start coming back. You know why? Because you fed into them for years. It was the Antrim folks that paid for their building down there. It was the Antrim folks that sowed into that. Now, they did as well, but a small number. And it's kind of funny when the church comes together. What, what you thought was death brings life. Do you know how many pastors who come to me and go, how are you doing this? We just give a lot of things away and God seems to bless us. There's a, such a principle in this. I, I, Band, come on back up again. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, sometimes um, I had to borrow John Walker's, but I bought a new Bible last year. I needed one. And I had it two weeks and my dog had it. <laughs> so it's a bit in flitters. So I'm, I meant to bring it today just to show you it, but I, but I didn't. But um, I, I want to, I, I picked up the Bible to read this story of Lazarus this week. And I noticed something. In my Bible, all of the bad stuff was on page 907. All right? It was, it was on page 907 here. And it was like Lazarus had died. Thomas was freaking out. Mary was depressed. And Martha was mad. And it was all on this page, down this side of the page. And then I turned the page. And I read the rest of it. And it was page 908. And then it said... But I know that even now, this is what Martha said, God will give you what you ask for. I know that even now, and as I turned the page, there was this moment of even now. And all of a sudden, the page began to read a whole lot differently. And what was despair and depression on 907? And 908, there was this even now. He was dead here. And now he's back to life. The, my friend who went in, the doctor said that, 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 that his associate pastor was going to die and he was in a coma. Six of them went down that night and I prayed with them by proxy. They laid hands on the guy. Three weeks later, with no brain damage, the guy was sitting in the church, completely healed and completely restored. <laughs> See, he had, a, he, had a, he had a 907. But then someone decided to go and pray. And now they're living in 908. They're living in the miracle. They're living in the hope. And if you're not convinced, because like this guy, the doctor was convinced he was dead. He was deader than a dead thing. And if he came back to life, he would brain surgery. He would, he would be. Now he's got life and three weeks later, he's back in the church. And some of you right now, you need an even now. You need a moment where you turn the page that all things are possible, that even now that you reached up to the family, you've got a jacked up, messed up family. Even now. You can't have children. Even now. You're dead. Even now. You're hopeless. Even now. You know, I came in this morning and I was talking to Megan. She was telling me, some of you know Megan, her story. I'm not going to share it to the front, but she had an even now this week. Even now. I had another girl, she's not here. She might be watching online. She would come in to see us for counseling. She, she was sharing with me. She said, I can't explain what's happened in my life. But I was stuck and this is what was happening. And and and. And when I, when I came in and let God do his work in me, even now, my life has changed so much. Even now. Some of you are like, my marriage is doomed to death. Even now. 
you're sick and you're tired and somebody's dying of cancer, even now, what do you want? Well, you can be like these, these three people, doubt and denial, lost their way, hopeless, and go, well, it's just the way it's going to be. That's called apathy. It's not resolved. But in a moment, even now, God comes and he takes this death, destruction that was empty, but it requires something. It requires you to roll the stone away. And you're too busy looking at the stone to get your miracle. And you're, ah, stone's too big. Can't roll it away. I need help, can't do it by myself. Well, you're right. Sometimes it takes more people to roll the stone away than you can do. Lazarus was wrapped in these grave clothes. He went rolling the stone away. He's that busy trying to get out of them, stinking, walking out like a, we can picture the scene, walking out like a mummy. Take his grave clothes off. But I had to roll the stone away first. Some of you need to roll your stone away. The stone only gets rolled away in the even now. You'll never get your miracle if you're so busy looking at the stones going, can't roll it away. You're stuck in your doubt and your denial and you're just in this place where, where you've lost hope. And Jesus comes along and he says this, I am the resurrection and the life. Resurrection is not an event. He's a person. Let me say that again. It's not an event. It's a person. And when Jesus walks into your life, he brings the dead things back to life. You just want to stay in your death because you're so busy going, ah, oh, the stone's too big, I can't roll it away. And God wants you to roll your stones away. And we have a team in here that will help you because it took four or five barely men to roll that stone away. And sometimes that's what we need in the kingdom to get the even now. Maybe you're here this morning or you're watching online and you've never had an even now, now moment with Jesus. Oh, you've read about him, you've, you've understood him, you've read the Bible about him, and you kind of, you know about him. And everybody in Northern Ireland knows who Jesus is. They just don't know him. See, they know about him, but they don't know him. They've never had the even now. Some of you are here this morning, and you need an even now like you've never needed it in all your life. I'm going to pray. If you don't know the Lord, you've never had your even now, or you need the miracle in your life right now, or you know somebody needs a miracle, I am telling you, by faith this morning, I am 100% convinced Lazarus didn't have any faith. He was dead. Martha comes along and says, even though you delayed, even now, I still believe that you can do this even after four days. There was a surrender moment. There was a surrender moment. Some of you need a surrender moment even now, God. Why don't you stand with me? You know, sometimes God makes you do foolish things. You ever notice that? I'm going to do something foolish, but I feel it's prophetic. Lazarus, come out! Lazarus come forth every dead thing and every person here 
In the name of Jesus, I command it to come back to life. Every marriage, broken relationship, fear, doubt, worry, and insecurity, I call it forth. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Lord, I ask dead things to come back to life. Lord, things that were dead to grow new, new seeds, new, new, new vibrant life come alive. But for hearts that are broken, restored. That even now, you turn the page from 907 to 908. If you don't know Jesus, you don't know him, I want to introduce you to him this morning. If you need prayer for him this morning, I'm going to invite our ministry team up to the front. And they're going to pray for you. And if you want prayer for anything, and you know what you have to do sometimes? You have to break the shame. Take the smiley happy face off. If you're stuck and you've got a stone that needs rolled away, for the love of God, come and let some people help you roll the stone away. In Jesus' name we pray. Father, this morning, would you come, Lord, and help us just to, not to be dead in our, <laughs> not to be dead in anything, God. Would you come this morning and bring resurrection life. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, we pray.